Hello, fellow lucky Martians. Welcome to episode number 17 of the Deep Dive Autobiography, I Am a Particularly Lucky Martian by Jay Crandall. If you're like me and you love word games, you'll love Don't End a Word. Based on a deceptively simple two-player word game I played in the car with my parents growing up, it is now available on the App Store. With an almost tactile fear of mankind's impending extinction and looming water scarcity, I was determined to do my part and save water. This led me to think of water saving and efficiency in the menial tasks of everyday life. When I am showering and soaping up, I apply the shampoo first, then body wash, then rinse. To maximize my efficiency at night, I wash my face and then brush my teeth, floss, use mouthwash before rinsing, spending 5 seconds brushing each tooth face. To minimize the amount of effort extending going from sitting to standing, I even make a point of putting on all my clothes after I shower, including my shoes, before standing and pulling up my pants and underwear. And I've been trying and failing to gain the gentlemanly habit of keeping my toilet seat lowered for guests. It got even worse. Even though I insist on splurging for the softer multiply toilet paper, when using it, I like to grab a big long piece and wrap it around itself after use, exposing a new clean area and covering the part that I just used. It turns out that this method is cheaper too, by one tenth of a cent. A triple whammy, as I like to call these sort of situations. Cheaper, better for the environment, and more comfortable. Believe it or not, this actually predated the Phoenix water crisis. All this may seem a bit silly, just a bit, but if everyone in America adopted my showering method, also known as the Navy shower, we would save 1.096 times 10 to the 12th power of water every year. Unfortunately, even though that may seem like a lot, it would be somewhat literally a drop in the bucket of our national water use, as thermonuclear and agricultural use of water far outweigh the domestic use. And though I now like to run the water while I take off my clothes to give it a chance to get warm and keep it running while washing up, I have retained my compulsion to contemplate ways to prevent our impending self-destruction. I rarely remember my dreams, but one that I do remember was pretty bleak. I was outside and there was an odd glow to the sky, and I just knew that it was a sign of the unfolding apocalypse. We should have listened to the pin I made in elementary and the letter to the president I wrote when I was eight. I guess Jay Inslee thought the pin was directed at him. One afternoon, I was alarmed and saddened to read a Facebook post from Anytime Fitness that seemed to announce their closure. I had been really enjoying frequenting the gym, particularly their gentle yoga classes, and was certainly benefiting from it. Granted, there were other local gym facilities, and perhaps that was why, but they didn't offer the gentle yoga classes. I had just recently resumed my exercise routine and started going back to yoga after breaking my arm. As members of our gym through Healthways, we paid a reduced monthly fee, and anytime received money each time we visited the gym. As such, my injury surely led to a decrease in revenue, and I felt at least somewhat culpable in the gym's downfall. Each family member had a brewed recreational beverage of choice. I've been favoring kombucha lately. My mother enjoys a cup of dark roast coffee with half and half and trivia, and Pepsi Zero Wild Cherry. My father loves his plain red rose tea, which he will happily drink at any temperature, and a portion of kombucha similar to my portion of beer. The art on the wall started off as a set of saddlebags long ago, was then turned into pillows, and finally, after my dad constructed and painted the frames, these framed art pieces. I also remember accompanying them to the house filled to the brim with chiming grandfather clocks to pick the one I grew up with, before my mother inherited her aunt's. 
When my aunt moved to an assisted living facility, she offered my mom and her brother things from the house. And she brought back that clock she grew up with. And lots of oriental rugs. Her aunt also gave her an affinity for keeping things relatively clean and tidy. A predilection she has struggled to enforce and infuse into my father and I. My mother shifted to the dark side, more heavily roasted beans, in an attempt to cope with bad water where she was living in college, and hasn't looked back. I wonder if a similar phenomenon to one's appreciation for bitter coffee occurs with hoppy beers. As long as I can remember, she has favored the single-serve filtration method. My dad has always been a tea person, happily sipping even cool plain black tea that he'd left to steep hours ago. I've been curious which parent's caffeinated brewed beverage, if any, would appeal to me. And it looks like it may be tea. You've been listening to episode number 17 of Jay Crandall's Deep Dive Autobiography, I'm a Particularly Lucky Martian. A while ago, I decided to turn a collection of t-shirt design ideas which innocently and covertly depict vulgar phrases into t-shirts. Things like a man with a giant wooden golf club, a deer with a massive rack of horns, etc. To get one and snicker about it in the lunchroom, visit tinyurl.com slash secretly vulgar. And check out tinyurl.com slash hidden animal sentences to see a list of hidden animal sentences I made with my mom in elementary school illustrated with the animal from that sentence hidden in the picture. My mother faced a depressingly grim situation as well, diagnosed with five diseases that cause weight loss, cathexis, heart problems, COPD, hyperthyroidism, and hyperglycemia. And the name of the general practitioner she saw about these issues? Dr. Diet. And whenever she mentions this, the response is almost exclusively as frustrating. Oh, you're so lucky. Her weight had dipped to 80 pounds, but her feet began swelling to the point that she was unable to find a pair of sandals that fit. I had kept my bathroom door open for as long as I can remember, but had to close it after I went to bed, first to not be kept up by my mother's hacking coughs, or rather, forced from the comfortable armchair she slept in. My dad and I want to help make her bed, but it is almost always frustratingly difficult getting her complex bedding set up. I made the mistake of googling weight loss and emphysema survival. I can't even remember what exactly it said, but it threw me into a much, much deeper depression. And it left me feeling terrible whenever my mother would light up a cigarette. I feebly tried to insist she take a multivitamin with dinner, but she stopped taking them because they were so big. I created a list compiling all the depressing things that were keeping me up at night which you can find at tinyurl.com slash things that are getting worse. After compiling my worries into a list, tinyurl.com slash everything list, I began to find myself constantly mulling over all these unfortunate things. My depression began to consume me. Even with my terrible memory, I would constantly think of one depressing thing or another. I hadn't yet realized just how lucky I was, and made the mistake of cataloging in my bedside notebook the many ways things were sucking. Then, these thoughts would often keep me up late at night, lying awake in bed muttering, Damn it! Whenever one of them hit me. Eventually, this shifted to a slightly less percussive, repeated muttering of, I hate my life, and everything, as in everything sucks. It became clear how much my ruminations were troubling my poor mother, who was dealing with plenty of things herself. I cringe when I think of what this must have been like for my deeply compassionate and truly selfless mother. I then thought I might be able to get myself to stop by making it too much of a hassle. So whenever I had an outburst in bed, I would switch on my light and write in my notepad. 
As my depression worsened, I began finding myself plagued by these thoughts late into the night and during the day as well. I would mutter to myself around the house and as I showered. I thought I might discourage these outbursts by making them a big hassle for me. So I decided that I would, while laying in bed, flip on my light, grab a pad of paper, and write down whatever exclamation I had just uttered. Unfortunately, I just ended up with notepad pages filled with, damn it, everything, and I hate my life, which you can see at tinyurl.com slash dammitslist. These feelings seeped into the first rough draft of this. I hadn't realized how lucky I was, and was still unfamiliar with all the functionalities of Google Docs. I sent a copy of it to Steve to edit, and started reading it to my parents as soon as it was finished. My parents were quite troubled. I really wish I had done a preliminary private edit first, as it contained far more depressing revelations than necessary about my youthful misbehavior and current-day sullen reflections. It started only as far back as I was able to remember at the time, and I hadn't realized just how lucky I was or how lucky we all are. It understandably troubled my deeply empathetic mother whose misfortunes were the biggest reason behind my ruminations. I sorely regret the additional woe I brought her with this first draft. It's painfully funny how memory works. The memories that I included in this first rough draft. The early memories that stuck were the painful ones. And they did not do their incredible parenting or my idyllic childhood justice. Nor had I realized how lucky we all are. All these negative thoughts filled my first draft. It was very troubling. It sorely needed editing as well, and the many repetitions in it were a testament to my terrible memory. To top it off, I hadn't discovered the incredible capabilities inherent in a Google Doc. Hadn't even figured out how to insert a link. All the images I linked to were arranged in sequence at the end and accessed with a number and control F. I then broadcasted it to the world, sending copies to Steve and to my mother to edit, and posting it to Facebook, where Agraja Gimarais. A classmate of mine from middle school who now worked at Google saw and read it. My depressive, repetitive ramblings must have been pretty alarming. I am deeply ashamed and sorry. I also started to read it aloud with my parents. It understandably disappointed and troubled my parents, especially my mother. Very soon thereafter, she suffered a minor heart attack. I couldn't help but think that I literally broke my mother's heart. You've been listening to episode number 17 of Jay Crandall's Deep Dive Autobiography, I'm a Particularly Lucky Martian. To see the Google Docs version of this with extra bits that didn't quite work in podcast form, visit bit.ly.com slash luckymartian17. Many thanks to Google for providing the perfect medium to record this. Check out Don't End a Word in the App Store if you're like me and love word games. Thanks to Shining Seconds for composing the theme music. You can access their webpage at shiningseconds.bandcamp.com. And special thanks to Carlo Vidalin at tinyurl.com slash carlovidalin for making what you just heard possible. See you next episode, and stay lucky.